Cruise Radio is brought to you by InsureMyTrip.com. Travel insurance done right from the people who know travel insurance. Find out more at InsureMyTrip.com. Broadcasting from the InsureMyTrip.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. And don't forget to check out our website at CruiseRadio.net. Also, our new player there, where you can actually browse our past episodes right there with a single click of a button. Yeah, CruiseRadio.net. Big show today. Yeah, we have the uh, actually a really, really good segment because one time I was on a cruise and I had an AT&T cell phone bill of over $500. So we have Brent Horowitz of MTN Communications to talk to us about using your cell phone and smartphone at sea and staying connected. But first, as always, we have Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good, man. Thank you. So Royal Caribbean's Quantum of the Seas is officially theirs. And uh, as we speak, she's arriving in Southampton. And uh, when are we going to see her here in the U.S.? And when will she start carrying passengers uh, besides that first transatlantic journey? Well, she uh, departs Southampton on November 2nd and arrives in New York on November 10th. And then the uh, first pre-cruise will be uh, November the 12th. Gotcha. So uh, November 10th is when she makes her uh, U.S. debut. Good news for you dancers out there. Holland America continues their Dancing with the Stars partnership. Well, I mean, they their their passengers are enjoying it. So, uh, you know, hats off to them. And uh, if it uh, helps bring on the passengers and... It's inexpensive entertainment, maybe, but uh, you know, if the passengers are liking it, they're getting good comments, hey, more power to them. Disney Cruise Lines revealing some new itineraries for 2016. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to do a few more. Uh, they're going to return to San Juan to do some Southern Caribbean sailings, and they're going to add two ports, Tortola, Virgin Gorda, and the, the other port was Martinique. Okay. So just you know, some additional stuff that uh, will entice their uh, Disney fanatical passengers. So itineraries like Hawaii, are those norm for Disney every year? Something it's, it's special? It's one of those uh, seasonal every, you know, I mean, they've done it a few times. Gotcha. Okay. I hate to talk about Ebola again, but are any cruise lines canceling any West Africa ports? Are they? Well, I mean, there were three ports. Okay. Um, you know, just three stops by, you know, the three, you know, three of the Carnival Corp ships that were going to be making stops. Uh, on Western Africa, but they canceled those port calls. Okay, gotcha. And this is this was I mean you know this is weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know I mean they're they're certainly not going to take any risks uh, to the passengers to the ship uh, to call at those ports if there's issues or even perceived issues. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Let's spin the globe here and talk about Asia. What's happening over in China? Well, uh, you know we we hear it's you know an area of growth opportunity. It's still very. It's still a very difficult business climate uh, for the cruise lines. Uh, you know, we've seen the the numbers come in from uh, Hong Kong, which says that uh, they've got uh, 28 uh, cruise ship calls in 2014, um, and they'll be up to 55 uh, next year. Now, if you know you, you, you do the math, you know at, at 28, and let's say you had about 3,000 passengers on average which is kind of high considering a lot of the ships that go out there are smaller, that's about 84,000 passengers. Um, what's, what's interesting is uh, their colleagues to the south at Shanghai claims to be the first Chinese city to welcome one million cruise passengers in a year. Hmm. And there aren't enough ships sailing in that region if you counted them eight times. <laughs> 
to get them to uh, what they're claiming is 972,000 passengers. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, in three quarters of the year, it's just impossible. So I don't know if they're counting everybody three or four times, if uh, everybody that uh, just looks at Shanghai on a map is included, uh, people passing by on the interview. I don't know what they're doing. But, uh, I mean, there's no way, there's not enough births. I mean, between Carnival and let's look at 2015, we're seeing a large increase by both Carnival Corp and Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited for 2015. They are going to have a maximum of 800,000 births in the region. So I just find it hard to believe that they could get, you know, over a million passengers in 2014 when there aren't enough cruise births between Royal Caribbean, Carnival, and the you know the five ships from uh, Genting out there. So hey, good luck to them. You know I don't know if they've got Martians landing in Shanghai, but uh, <laughs> I think this is what they call the the fuzzy math syndrome. And then of course we have Quantum of the Seas heading over to Asia uh, after just a brief stint in the U.S. Right? Yeah, it's going to be based out of Shanghai, and they're going to be spending they're going to be doing sailings anywhere from. Three to nine nights. Most of the sailings will be four and five night cruises. Mm-hmm. So the the people in China are not as much into the ship. Um, so they're they're really more interested in the the gambling and the and the shopping. So the the destinations and a lot of what's on you know the the really cool features of the ships are not as important to them. Gotcha. Uh, which okay. which is unfortunate, you know, considering you know they have a billion dollar ship uh, coming out there, but a lot of what's on the ship isn't going to be. You know, it's not going to be as appreciated. But, uh, you know, I I think there's a lot of opportunity to maybe change the vacation patterns so that they do enjoy the ships more and that they're more interested in also some of the destinations that they could be going on as well. Very good. Stuart, we have a listener question. Do you mind hanging through? You got it. This is Cruise Radio. How many times have you said, that'll never happen to us? Vacations are a big investment with both time and money, and they should be protected. For over a decade, InsureMyTrip.com has been the online travel insurance leader, offering the best plans from the most trusted providers. Our licensed and award-winning customer service team makes sure you have the right coverage for your travel. To find out why over 98% of travelers would recommend InsureMyTrip, visit InsureMyTrip.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. These days, you can't leave the house without your smartphone, and now that's carried on to cruise vacations. Joining us now is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Cruise for MTN Communications, Brent Horvitz. Brent, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to join you. Yeah, thank you for being here and uh, answering some of our questions for us and the listeners today. So, Brent, recently, uh, MTN launched a consumer website that has been a great help to cruise passengers. It's called Connect at sea.com. So uh, with that said, 
Many cruise passengers are always concerned and asking us questions about staying connected at sea. How does that website help cruise passengers? So the website itself is an educational forum. It's an educational platform. The goal is really to help consumers understand how to connect to the Wi-Fi or how to connect generally on, on, on the vessel, as long as tips along, you know, how to use your device, uh, you know, how to optimize it for, for the satellite. What do you expect uh, in terms of, of what the Internet experience l- looks like and how much does it cost? How instrumental has MTN Communications been? And give us a little background about it and how it's brought uh, Internet to cruise ships because 15 years ago, this wasn't possible. Okay, so MTN has been around since about 1981. We were the original provider of what we call VSAT, Very Small Aperture Terminal Satellite Technology. In other words, we integrate about 30 different satellite beams across the world to provide a global broadband solution for cruise ships, primarily, but also super yachts and oil and gas rigs and and, and that sort of thing. So our goal is to try really to blur the lines between the ship and the shore and to try to offer a, 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 a broadband solution that's very similar to what someone experiences in, in, in their home or their office. We access satellites that are located 22,300 miles above the Earth's equator. And so the experience on board is a little bit different because it takes about the signal to move at the speed of light about 500 milliseconds to go up to the satellite and back to, the, back to Earth. So the experience is a little bit different. There's a little bit of a delay, which we call latency. Those are some of the things that we're trying to level set with the consumers so they mm-hmm. understand that the experience on board is just a little bit different from what they get uh, from what they get at home. Well, you mentioned the broadband uh, experience, and a lot of cruise passengers are like, I don't want to pay the, uh, let's just say, 75 cents a minute because I'm going to get a dial-up connection. But, I mean, is it really dial-up speed or is it quicker than dial-up? Because they think of dial-up, they're thinking of, like 1992 with AOL. Yeah, that's right. So let me give a little bit of a background about the evolution of how this has progressed. We started maybe 15 years ago or so with a very, very slow connection that was literally equivalent to a dial-up, maybe 128 kilobits or 256 kilobits. Now we're really in in the realm of multiple, multiple megabits. And so years ago, uh, prior to the uh, to the revolution of pre- people bringing their laptops or tablets or the mobile phones, the cruise lines themselves provided workstations, and there were only a finite number of those. And so, even though that the that the experience was slow, there weren't that many concurrent users on board. Mm-hmm. What we've seen in the last couple of years is that the cruise lines have really invested millions of dollars in in building out Wi-Fi infrastructure in investing in a lot more bandwidth. And so the user experience itself is improving every single day. Gotcha. Very good. Well, let's talk about the user experience because I'm just going to tell you, Brent, that uh, a couple of years ago, I took a cruise and I came home and I had a $586 cell phone bill from AT&T. So what can listeners do to avoid my mistake? Part of what we're trying to accomplish with the educational platform on the ConnectedSea.com is to provide the tips necessary for consumers to be informed. Mm -hmm. In other words, we say, for example, put your device in the airplane mode, turn off the updates, disable the automatic downloads, those types of things. But more than that, I think um, there's two different ways to connect while you're on the ship. 
the default on your mobile phone is probably to use the cellular infrastructure that's on board the vessel. Um, and the way that that works is most ships today, almost all ships have cellular infrastructure on board, and they work with companies like AT&T that use hundreds of roaming relationships with the different carriers. And so you're, you're right. The, the price that you pay on the ship is a lot higher than you would normally pay because it goes through all these roaming relationships. Part of what we're trying to accomplish, both through the Connected Sea website as well as through our Internet Cafe portal on board, is to enable customers to switch from the mobile phone to the Wi-Fi, in which case they're paying a much, much lower rate, as opposed to paying, let's say, $20 per megabyte or three or so dollars per minute. It could be much, much less uh, by using your mobile device as opposed to using the, ro- the roaming infrastructure. That clears a lot of things up. Let's talk about the actual Wi-Fi experience on board because like on the message boards, half the people say Skype works and half of them say it's blocked. I've personally never had a problem. Is blocking uh, apps like Skype up to the discretion of the cruise line? It is up to the cruise line, and I think increasingly because when the bandwidth was severely constricted – um, and because Skype is a very bandwidth use, a very bandwidth intensive application, the cruise lines did everything that they could to try to block Skype and other peer-to-peer applications. And so, that while that may still be the letter of the law, there are, I think, it's becoming increasingly difficult to block this type of traffic. So, one of the things that cruise lines are looking to do increasingly is. rather than start to block these types of sites, is really to embrace those types of things. And as a result, we're seeing a movement away from the historical way of charging, which is by minute, you know, a time-based plan into more of a volume-based or megabyte plan. And so the difference there is that as opposed to blocking applications that consumers want, by explaining that you're going to be paying on a volume, on a per megabyte basis, um, it just makes it more fair for the consumers to pay for the finite satellite resource that they're using. So I think that increasingly we're going to see more and more of a trend of that because this is the trend of all of the mobile carriers around the world. We're moving away from the, 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 the era of unlimited data plans into more of these megabyte or gigabyte packages. And I expect that we're going to see that over time in the cruise industry, and I think we're in the early phases of that right now. Because uh, I know Disney moved to uh, megabyte pricing, or, or maybe it's by the gig pricing uh, earlier this year. So you're saying there's going to be more plans like that, kind of that Disney plan where you're actually buying gigs instead of paying X amount of cents per minute or X amount of cents per 100 minutes? Yep, I think that's absolutely correct. And part of what we're trying to do, you know, Megabytes and gigabytes is very hard for consumers to conceptualize. So as part of our ConnectedSea.com website, we have a table that would say, okay, if you buy 10 megabytes, for example, that will give you 30 minutes of Facebook time. It'll give you X number of minutes, five minutes of Skype. It'll give you X number of photo uploads. So we're trying to make it easy for consumers to understand exactly what it is they're buying and what's the appropriate package for them to, to, to purchase? Let's talk about Facebook because I know a lot of people want to share their vacations with their family back home, basically to make them jealous. What are your thoughts about uploading pictures to Facebook and what's the best way to do that uh, from a cruise ship? 
Well, clearly the cruise lines are very much in favor of this, and, and you're starting to see more and more of, of, of them trying to build these types of applications where they'll have a pre-cruise information, they'll have the onboard, and then the post-cruise community. We're starting to see more and more of that. Um, so clearly I think that it's, that it's in the cruise line's benefit. Everybody wants to see that. Now, the real question is how do you do this economically and when's the best time to do it? And so I think if you're paying by the minutes today, it really, you know, there are certain peak times of the day when all of the passengers are, you know, if they're on shore excursions, for example, the off-peak times is really the optimal time to mm-hmm. upload your, your photos in as inexpensive or, or, or in as quickly a way as, uh, as it could be transmitted. But, I, but, you know, the other thing that the cruise lines are doing as well, which is not obvious to the passengers, is they're moving to peak and off-peak pricing for the crew hmm. and trying to shift their usage patterns away from the times that the guests primarily want to use it. Let's talk about apps because like my favorite app whenever I'm cruising is WhatsApp because it lets me basically talk to anybody in the world for free and it requires very, very little bandwidth or megs, I guess you could say. Any kind of suggestions or tips for us? So increasingly, we're starting to see from the different cruise lines themselves are building their own types of applications. I mean, for example, we know that Disney has the Navigator app and Norwegian and some others have the iConcierge app. We know that Princess is coming out with, with their own app. And, and there will be texting and uh, you know, uh, other ways of communicating embedded with, with, within that app. If you don't want to use yours, and really from the cruise line's perspective, what's good about that is that the bandwidth utilization is low because those applications are optimized for satellite, whereas the other ones are not optimized for satellite. Check out your website, ConnectedSea.com, and I see you have a portal for travel agents. How can travel agents take advantage of ConnectedSea.com and pass it on to their clients? Well, I think that the first thing is is that you know cruise passengers go to travel agents really because they're looking for that kind of expertise. And I think that it's very difficult for travel agents to have any idea about how satellites work and how the, and, and how all these things uh, you know interrelate, so we're really doing our best not only through the website but also through other initiatives. We're, we're active members of the Cruise Line International Association. We've we, we've done seminars with passengers. We've worked with some of the cruise lines directly to help to help them you know get engaged with the travel agents. So I think it's really about awareness, and and we're doing what we can to increase the awareness campaign, you know, not only with consumers, also doing seminars with crew on board, and then, you know, really at the point of sale, or really at the point of consultation with the travel agents, trying to get them as, as informed as they possibly can. Brent, in closing here, where can we find Connect at Sea online? So that would be www.connectatsea.com. And just to sort of put it all together, I think where we are today is at a really an inflection point in the industry. We're starting to see that the cruise lines themselves are putting in multi-million dollar investments in building out the infrastructure, the Wi-Fi infrastructure on board the vessels. They're increasing the bandwidth speeds across the ships. They're looking at new technologies like terrestrial-based connect- connections that will increase the speed when, when the ships are either in port or near port and are very much focused on providing as close, as commensurate an experience of, uh, on, on the connectivity and internet 
as they are on all of the other aspects of the guest experience. And, um, you know, we at MTN have been around for more than 20 years, focused on the cruise industry. And uh, this is exactly the direction that we're heading in as well. And there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. Don't forget to check it out at connectatsea.com. We'll link to it at the show notes at cruiseradio.net. We've been talking with the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Cruise for MTN Communications, Brent Horwitz. Brent, my friend, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening on Cruise Radio. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Have a question for the experts, or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. And our question today comes from Quentin in Canada. My wife and I want to go to Alaska on Celebrity Solstice. When's the best time to go, and is it better to sail out of Seattle or Vancouver? We live in Ontario. Well, Quentin, uh, actually, your your question is uh, in two parts. If you're looking to go on Celebrity Solstice, um, you're, you're really only your choice is to sail out of Seattle because uh, that's where it does the round trips unless you're going to do a one-way on the one sailing, which is May 1st. Uh, Solstice, without a doubt, is one of the nicest. I mean, is, I think it's the nicest large ship sailing in Alaska um, by far. But, um, but if you want to sail on that specific ship, then you're going to really have to go uh, round trip out of Seattle. Uh, for Americans, uh, sailing out of Seattle is... Um, you know, a lot better. It's much more convenient because they don't have to deal with customs. The airfare uh, in and out of Vancouver can be anywhere from 30 to 50 percent more for the cost of the, the airfare. And uh, you won't have to deal with customs, you know, when you're getting uh, on and out of the airport and also on the ship. So it's easier for Americans. But, you know, uh, sailing out of Vancouver uh, is also very nice. There's also a lot of nice ships, whether you do the round trip out of Vancouver or you do the one-way between Vancouver and Anchorage. So the best time to go, if you're looking for the best deal, the shoulder part of the season, May, early June, or late, you know, the third week of August uh, into September. But, uh, you know, but if you're playing now, the difference may not be that big a deal. Uh, so you could still snag uh, a really good deal, uh, in, in, even in a peak, peak of the season. But I think uh, avoiding July is your best bet because of the, the weather. It's, it gets a little hotter. And it's also that's when it's you know the peak of the season and most crowded. Very good. Stuart Cheever on the Cruise Guy. Thank you for being here, man. My pleasure. And that'll do it. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. And thank you for being here, too. We couldn't be here without you. Uh, earlier in the show, we were talking to Brent over at MTN Communications. And uh, check out their website, connectatsea.com. It basically gives you an A to Z on onboard internet, onboard connection, and your smartphone at sea. Really, really great uh, modules there at connectatsea.com. We'll also link to that in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Don't forget, you can find us online. Our new player is there at cruiseradio.net. Also, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. What am I forgetting? I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but uh, we're all there. From the InsureMyTrip.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Doug Parker, and this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by AlaskaCruises.travel. Looking for the best deal on an Alaska cruise? Look no further than alaskacruises.travel, where you can shop and compare itineraries, read reviews, watch videos, and more. Visit alaskacruises.travel today. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the insuremytrip.com studios. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net.
I'm your announcer.